Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about why room temperature is so important for getting a good night's sleep. Plus, you'll learn about a famous debate from the world of quantum physics with a special guest, astrophysicist George Greenstein. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Scientists have figured out why room temperature is so important for sleep. If you've ever had a hard time passing out in a hotel or in your friend's guest room because it was too hot or too cold, then this research could explain why. According to a new study from a team of neuroscientists in Switzerland, it all comes down to what they call Goldilocks neurons. When the temperature is just right, these neurons increase rapid eye movement, or REM sleep, which is a pretty essential part of your sleep cycle. There's a lot of activity in your brain that takes place during REM sleep. In fact, your breathing, heartbeat, and brain activity increase to nearly the same levels as when you're awake. Despite all that activity, one thing your brain can't do when you're in that deep sleep is regulate your body temperature. Which is funny since our bodies are really good at controlling our body temperature when we're awake, or even when we're asleep during non-REM cycles. We do that by using mechanisms like panting, sweating, shivering, and getting goosebumps. But all of those things require a lot of energy. Since your brain is so active during REM sleep, your body pumps the brakes on those thermoregulation mechanisms when you're sleeping. Of course, if the room gets too hot or too cold and your body doesn't react, then you're in trouble. So your brain has to have a way to shuttle energy back to thermoregulation when you need it. So what's a brain to do? Well, it turns out that there are mechanisms in the brain that regulate the amount of REM sleep you get depending on the room temperature. As in, when the room temperature is comfortable, your brain gives you more REM sleep, and when it's too hot or cold, your brain sacrifices REM sleep to conserve the energy it might need to thermoregulate. The researchers examined the brains of mice and found a specific population of neurons in the hypothalamus that does this, called melanin-concentrating hormone, or MCH, neurons. This study has far-reaching implications for sleep medicine, and it shows that the amount of REM sleep you get is directly dependent on your environment. As for the best temperature for these neurons, experts generally recommend setting the thermostat for whatever temperature you find comfortable. Sleep tight. A lot of the time, science can help us understand the world, but sometimes it raises more questions than answers. And our guest today has an amazing example of that from the world of quantum theory. George Greenstein is an emeritus professor of astronomy at Amherst College and author of the new book, Quantum Strangeness, Wrestling with Bell's Theorem and the Ultimate Nature of Reality. Before he blows your mind, Cody will give a little background to set the scene. Okay, so quantum theory was invented by a group of people, and Albert Einstein and Niels Bohr disagreed vehemently about its nature. Einstein thought it was incomplete, and Bohr felt that it was not at all incomplete, but that it was a profound philosophical discovery that you could not know everything about the microscopic world. Here's George Greenstein on the nature of their fight and the surprising implications. The question is, is quantum theory incomplete? And the fight was about the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, which says you can measure the position or you can measure the speed of something, but you can't measure both. And more generally, and now it's getting a little iffy, the quantum theory cannot even talk about the position of something and the speed at the same time. So just to put this in context, I know where my car is and I know how fast it's moving. I know where it is because I remember where I parked it and I know how fast it's moving because I got the keys right here in my pocket. So it's, not, it's moving at zero miles per hour. So right there, I know two things about my car. 
Quantum theory could not do that. Quantum theory cannot know where an electron is and how fast it's moving at the same time. So Einstein said that's a terrible incompleteness in quantum theory. It's, it's like some person who comes up to you on the street and tells you, I'll tell you this or that, but I won't tell you both. So Einstein and Bohr had these big arguments about it, and there were some wonderful stories about these arguments. Bohr and Einstein loved each other personally. This was a disagreement, but it wasn't a fight. But it was an ongoing war that lasted their entire lives. In the mid-1930s, there was sort of a big break in the situation, and it really stood the world of physics on its ears to some degree in the form of the EPR paradox. Einstein, Podolsky, and Rosen, EPR, are the authors of a paper that was published in the mid-1930s in which they talked about entanglement and how entanglement can be used to find a way around the uncertainty principle. And the phenomenon of an entanglement is that you've got a source of two electrons or two photons, particles of light, two quantum objects, and they fly off in different directions. And one goes to one lab and another goes to another lab. And the people in the laboratories, the experimenters in these two labs can perform measurements on these two particles. And Einstein and Podolsky and Rosen showed that these measurements could demonstrate that the particles had definite positions and definite speeds as they traveled from the source to the lab. So I always like the analogy of I'm going to put two letters into a mailbox, and one goes to Cody and one goes to Ashley. At a certain moment, let's say noon on Wednesday, I put those letters in my mailbox. At noon on Thursday, each of you opens your mailboxes, and there's the letters. Ashley's got one, Cody's got the other. The uncertainty principle is saying there is no way to know what path those letters took. As a matter of fact, there's no such thing as to the path that the letters took. When the letters are underway, one of them is in one truck driving down the road and another one is in another truck down the road, and there is simply no such thing as where the trucks are and how fast they're moving. There's no such thing, according to quantum theory. Einstein, Podolsky, and Rosen produced an absolutely gorgeous argument to demonstrate that, oh, yes, there is such a thing. There absolutely is such a thing as the positions and the speeds of these trucks. Well, this thing absolutely knocked Bohr for a loop. He was deeply disturbed by it. Fairly quickly, he published an article trying to refute this EPR argument. And to tell you the honest truth, I have never met anybody who could explain what Bohr had to say. Uh, I certainly could not understand Bohr's article, and I've never met anybody who understood it either. Wow. But as the years passed, the, the whole community of physicists who were interested in this, nobody could figure out how to deal with the EPR paradox. It, it seemed to be just something enigmatic until John Bell came along. And what John Bell did is he twisted the EPR argument around and produced a more complicated scenario where Ashley does many different things and Cody does many different things in their labs. And John Bell produced a formula. And here's where things got hairy in my attempt to understand what John Bell had done. But I, I think I can summarize pretty smoothly what Bell's formula means. It's a simple formula involving the results of Ashley's measurements and Cody's measurements. And it's a formula that these measurements must obey if 
the positions and the speeds of these trucks carrying the letters have definite values. And what he showed, what John Bell showed, was that quantum mechanics violates that formula. And so what that means, and now what John Bell showed was that quantum mechanics produces results which violate the formula that Bell had created, and that's a formula that's guaranteed to be true if there are definite positions and speeds. So that means, according to quantum mechanics, there is no such thing as a definite position and speed. And that's all very well and good, but the really exciting thing is that John Bell showed that there's an experiment that could be done in a real lab which would find out whether Bell's formula is true or not. And those experiments have been done, and they show that Bell's formula is violated. So it's a little bit interesting to me that quantum mechanics violates this idea of things having real positions and speeds. But the really interesting thing to me is that natural world violates that idea, and that the real world, the actual natural world, there is no such thing as position and speed. Wait, what? How is yes, that true? I, I love that response. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> I love that. Yes. Pretty wild, right? Stuff like this is exactly why George Greenstein's new book is such a great read. It's nothing at all like a quantum physics textbook. It's more of a story of his journey to try to wrap his head around quantum theory over the years. You can find a link to pick up Quantum Strangeness, Wrestling with Bell's Theorem, and the Ultimate Nature of Reality in today's show notes. And tomorrow, you'll hear the second part of our interview to maybe help you wrap your head around quantum theory just a little bit better. Now let's recap what we learned today. Today we learned that your brain will let you sleep better if you're comfortable with the temperature of your environment. And that according to what we know about quantum physics, there's no such thing as position and speed in the natural world. That's still blowing my mind. (laughs) Hopefully we'll figure out a way to wrap our heads around it tomorrow. Or not. You'll just have to join us again then to learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Stay curious. Stay curious.